our job is to figure out, I mean, our job, schools and people at work, how to take advantage of these skills. And if we cannot do this, that means that we are the ones who are not doing the job, not autistic people, because autistic people are incredible. They got those talents, they want to function. And the funny thing is too, they can be so extremely social. There's like those myths about autistic people. They're anti-social, anti, 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 anti. And my child is extremely social. Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. On today's show, we'll be discussing the role of educators in advocating for children with autism. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host. Before I introduce you to our guest today, let me start by sharing a message from Naked Parent Nation. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents and professionals raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truth, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. Naked parenting is the process of moving from where you are to where you want to be. Naked parenting understands that the mind is responsible for all of our problems. As you shed the layers of your old programming and beliefs, you will return to the deepest truths of your own being. Do what you've always done and receive the life you are living or create the vision you want for your family. Combine it with an elevated emotion and support from our community and you can live the life of your dreams and beyond. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment one day at a time. This is your first time connecting with us. I hope you feel the love that's here for you. Together, we walk different paths side by side. So we'll take our moment before we get to our conversation and have some grounding or some peace, relaxation, whatever it may be. Um, It's just something that we recommend once, twice a day if you can, but we'll allow yourself to close your eyes now and just take a moment for yourself. We're going to contemplate fixing it in our society's mentality to fix it. So if you want to sit with your back straight, allow your eyes to fall closed. Gently lift your gaze to that space between your eyebrows and just feel your body and see if there's any sensations, any tingling. Is there any discomfort? 
as you concentrate on your breath, I want you to see what comes to your mind when I ask you if there's anything in your life that's causing you a problem that you're trying to fix. When we're discontent, the natural habit is to fix it. Our mind goes into fix it mode. We get into circular cycles of thinking, trying to solve our problem. Sometimes people ask if it's, if I'm suggesting that we don't set goals. And that's not the case. I, I believe setting goals is, is very useful. I just think there's an obsession that goes beyond the goal setting. Yeah. <laughs> and this exercise is an opportunity to just see how we go into fix it mode. We'll take a few deep breaths. Begin to tune into your thoughts. What's that problem that you're trying to solve? Is there something specific you're trying to figure out? Try focusing on the problem rather than searching for the solution. And then notice if there's any discomfort around just sitting there with the problem. We want to plan something to fix it. So make sure you don't use this moment that's supposed to be a healthy moment and start judging yourself, beating yourself up. Just be with the discomfort. Feel for any tension in your body as your shoulders tense. Are you able to breathe into it and relax? Just notice where you're holding tension in your body. and recognize if your mind tries to jump to the solution. Some things you can say to yourself is you can say, I see the discomfort. 
you can say to yourself, I can see that my mind wants to fix it. You can give yourself permission by saying, may I sit with this problem? And then before we come out of this contemplation, I want you to ask yourself, what can be done? And don't start creating a step-by-step plan. Just allow your general question to go out to the powers that exist and see how it manifests in your life. And as you allow yourself to open your eyes and come back into the room, we can just take a deep breath and recognize that we have problems and our mind just keeps trying to fix them and the tension and stress and cycle of obsession that comes from that for some is um is a lot to take on it creates a lot of stress and so it's good to recognize that that's what you're doing that those are some things that you can become aware of. But I do want to get to our expert guest today, who I'm very excited to talk to. Her name is Barbara Vocatis. Is that all right? And you are a college professor, an author, and an autism mom. Her teen daughter has autism and is extremely talented artistically. Her book about dog therapy in educational settings speaks about the benefits of dog therapy for all children, including autistic children. Awesome, cute cover. And then she has an upcoming book. It's a children's book that teaches children how to include children with autism. Mm -hmm. Barbara, thank you for taking the time to be with us today and welcome. You're welcome, thank you so much. Where are you calling in from? I am calling in from New York. <laughs> New York. From upstate New York, not New York City. No, upstate New York. Thank you for calling in. So you said uh, you have a teenage daughter. Mm-hmm. So your um, autism journey, did it start well, 12 to 15 years ago? Yeah, I think... Maybe not as many years ago, it's just my dog came over. We did not know from the beginning that my daughter had, my child had autism. When uh, she was in like early childhood, maybe like three and a half years old, the teacher in preschool kind of was noticing some things like, She's a little like behind other children, not much, but a little. So she was just giving more help. 
things like that. And then she went to kindergarten. And then, of course, more learning. Curriculum gets a little bit more difficult. So we heard from the teacher again that something's going on, but we don't know what and all that. And I think that what happened next, first grade, and in first grade, we really um, thought we have to do something. Definitely, she's not progressing that well in school. Let's see what's going on. So the question was like, where do you even go, right? Like, who's going to help you uh, diagnose something? I had no idea about expertises such as like developmental pediatrician. I had no idea it even existed. So we went to a doctor of psychology who was known for diagnoses of children, right? So I don't even remember like how we found out about her, but that's where we went. And it was kind of funny because so my daughter was, I think it was like six years old. So this doctor of psychology, she actually met, she actually excluded autism and she thought it was something else. Mm. Yeah. So then we went with this diagnosis to school and then it was just like, I don't know. It just still things didn't work. And then uh, we re-diagnosed her maybe after a year or something like that. But I, at that time, I found on Google or whatever <laughs> that there is something, a specialty called developmental pediatrist. And that's the specialty that really actually is qualified to look at these types of children and actually diagnose. So we found someone like that. These specialties are not very common. These doctors, there's not so many of them. But we right. did go, and uh, and he had like no, he had just no doubt. He was just, yep. <laughs> just, we went in the office, and just, yep, that's what it is. <laughs> so what? it's really, it's just really something how misdiagnoses are just, and this is just not my journey, misdiagnosis. Kids were misdiagnosed, uh, I don't know, 10 times. I We were only once. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's crazy. Between hearing that delay, a lot of people yeah. are told, oh, it's just everybody grows at different, you know, so so a lot of people are fed that one. And then the, the many different diagnoses. What's yeah. your experience as a parent as you're going through this process? Are you on board? Are you in denial? Are you angry? Are you scared? Where are you in all of this? I I was in denial. I really was in denial, especially hearing from the teacher, because here's the thing. And the reason why we went and started looking for expertise for people who can diagnose is that the teacher told me I would go and maybe check because my own child had some difficulties So we decided to check and now she's receiving help. So because this teacher connected with me on a parental level, that really made a big difference because I no longer thought, who are you to talk to me like that, right? I mean, who are you to tell me that I need to go and have my child diagnosed? I mean, who are you? I mean, yes, you're a teacher, but it's a different sort of level. I mean, another parent might take it in a different way, but I took it 
basically the way I'm saying, who are you to tell me that I should have my child diagnosed somewhere for something? So that was really my idea, a total denial. But there was the breakthrough, the way this teacher told me, just like that, as a parent to parent. And that really was helpful. That's how it was. And then, well, we really went uh, once diagnosed and, you know, I was really a big advocate as far as in school to make sure that my daughter would get all the um, right kind of instruction as much as possible. And uh, but I was still to an extent, maybe not in denial, but I wasn't, I was never like open to talk about it. Only certain people in our circle of friends and family knew that Karina had autism, obviously teachers, right? But I was never quick to admit it or to talk about it openly, not to mention in public. That was not going to happen. It took a lot of years to actually just start talking about it like this right now. What do you attribute the change from not talking to anybody about it to, to yeah. today. What has to happen for parents to move through those stages? Sometimes nothing really break. There is no breakthrough that happens. Sometimes the time is that thing that happens. It doesn't have to be anything, any kind of event or anything. But something actually did happen in addition to time. After a while, seeing how difficult it is for a parent to advocate for your child in school. I mean, I have background in education and it's not easy for me to be the advocate. You can only imagine parents who don't know much about education. You know, they went to school and that's it, right? But I am in this field and I still struggle with this a little bit. So thinking about all these struggles and also thinking about the struggles that children with autism have to go through in school. Some schools might be very open. They might have curriculum that pushes more for diversity, including diversity of, of different disabilities, and they might do a wonderful job with this, but some schools don't. And in some cases, what happens is children with autism are kind of expected to adjust to everybody else mm -hmm. and not much happens as far as helping the so-called mainstream children understand the autistic kids. I think a lot of materials, curricula, talk about like acceptance, um, you know, being tolerant, accepting others. But what does it actually mean to accept another person who is different. What does it really mean? How mm -hmm. do you, as a teacher in school, how do you teach about that? So when I thought about my struggles as a parent and struggles of my own child, because I heard all the stories and other autistic kids, I started getting this idea of um, writing a, a children's book, something that would, in a way, teach about it, but in a certain way, my therapy dog would be the character teaching children because I've noticed from uh, my visit with my dog that kids learn from dogs and sometimes maybe even more than teachers, which is sort of funny, but it actually does happen. So it's just this idea of me taking my dog and we've been doing it for five years to the school and helping children, including autistic children, 
because it helps everybody when the dog is in school, literally everybody. It changes the whole atmosphere. So it helps kids with disabilities, but also thinking about publishing the children's book. And I started thinking, hey, okay, I mean, we do deal with autism in the family. My child has autism, but I'm thinking something good is coming out of it. Why don't I just talk about it? And I'm like, wait a minute, I am not so traumatized about it anymore. I'm actually proud of what we have achieved, the way we came and what my daughter has become, who she is as a person, and she's an incredible person. So all these things, I just started, they started telling me, (laughs) it's like, come on, time to (laughs) sort of come out. (laughs) I love that. I would love if we could figure out a way to help people shorten that yes, yeah. time frame. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. do believe that it, there is an amount of time, but I think that at least for mm-hmm. me, I went down a bunch of rabbit holes for longer than would be ideal, I think. And, yeah. you know, yeah. even where it can get risky, because if you don't, if you struggle at how to deal with your own emotions and you, yeah reach for something that you can get addicted to. I mean, there's a lot of ways that it can go sideways fast. Can you tell us a little bit about your daughter and like how her autism makes her unique and special? I think it's hard to tell exactly, you know, what is actually her personality and what autism brings as a part of the personality, because these things kind of fuse together. But see, she has an incredible artistic talent drawing in that regard she has an incredible interest in music and she'll just know all those dates where each song came out i have no idea about any of these things <laughs> and she'll just tell you you know that song oh that one that came out was released on in that particular year it's like okay <laughs> i think that so that's so she's basically teaching me about how we can in the society, how we can just like not only understand autistic people better, but how do we learn to like coexist with them? How do we, because I hear stories, oh yeah, they have some skills that are kind of weird and random and they may be not so useful in, I don't know, on the job, but I don't agree with this. I think our job is to figure out I mean, our job, schools and people at work, how to take advantage of these skills. And if we cannot do this, that means that we are the ones who are not doing the job, not not autistic people, because autistic people are incredible. They got those talents. They want to function. And the funny thing is, too, they can be so extremely social. There's like those myths about autistic people. They're anti-social, anti, 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 anti. And my child is extremely social. As a matter of fact, when she was younger, she was very upset that not everybody in school was her friend. So mm-hmm. She wanted everybody to be her friend. That was not going to happen because she had all those interests and she was talking about all this. And some kids uh, were annoyed. So obviously she didn't make a lot of friends. But now what's fascinating to see is her growing understanding of that, okay, I have autism, having even some humor about it. 
<laughs> because she can joke about it too. And then she reflects on her past in school and she will say funny things that are not so funny, like, oh, I had such a bad reputation because I was just annoying everyone. And right now she says, you know, it's so much better on the bus. I don't really annoy anyone. It's really cool. And she's got this understanding about her autism. One thing though, I never, from the very beginning almost, I did try to tell her that she has this autism thing. But I remember at the beginning, I say it, but it was just like, whatever, just like ignoring this. But I just like, oh, I let it go. Okay, never mind. After a while, I again kind of said, well, you know, because you have this autism, but it's kind of mild. It's nothing to really worry about. I just want you to know about it. And just slowly, 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 she kind of started to understand it. So it wasn't something she found out from somebody else, right? Mm. She found out from me. I think that was very important. I read quite a few books. I think that's really, I mean, you don't want to overwhelm yourself as far as reading everything about autism, right? And going like crazy about it. But it's important to read something. And then you understand this a little bit more. And there was some advice there such as tell your child right that they have autism you don't want them to like find out from other people right but it's better when they find out from you but i think that just seeing her and how she's developing and everything i think honestly we should take advantage and collaborate with these autistic incredible people and they can really teach us a lot how to help the society include them they will tell you what you need to do <laughs> that's a great point and i think you make a great point about being the one to tell yes your child i hope the listeners paid attention to that one and i agree to talk to them i my kids i have five within six years of age and the typical kids by 10 years old were so much more evolved emotionally and with their empathy than I was at a much, it took me many, many more years. It's like how yeah. amazing it would be if we could spread that throughout the community and create these kind people to interact and, and create a better world together. There is so much more that we have to do. A lot than it's happening currently in schools. For sure. Mm. How about for you, um, it's, if it started with denial, did parenting or parenting an autistic child push you to the limit of your abilities? Like for me, it pushed me to the edge of everything I could handle. I mean, I, I couldn't handle much more. How's your experience been? Have you been able to deal with it in stride or has, has there been some challenging years? I know that autism can be, because it's the spectrum, right? And you can be on spectrum somewhere all over the place. And mild child's autism is kind of like mild to moderate. So the most challenges were early education when, let's say, she came from school and, and there was homework. And there was no way for me to even like help her with the homework because she just wouldn't do it. She just wouldn't even want to be helped. It was like no way. And that was very 
frustrating. And, you know, I'm not a special education teacher, so I do have educational expertise and all that, but I'm not a special education teacher. I don't have that expertise. So we eventually, behavioral therapy therapist actually came and she helped with that a lot. So another expert who can come and help with that, this was very, very useful. And I'm very glad that we did that. But that was very, very frustrational, not being able to even help your child with the homework because she just wouldn't just be ready to do any of this. Forget about asking that she would be doing homework on her own. That wasn't even like in the picture, but just like even creating the homework sort of routine was impossible. It had to really happen with this help of this therapist. And she came to our house because everything was done in this natural environment. So that was a difficult period, but expert helped. And another very difficult thing was always, I think, dealing with a lack of um, flexibility. Autistic people sometimes, and again, I don't want to speak about everybody because everybody's different, but uh, lack of flexibility, lack of being able to adapt to a situation, that was a big struggle. And it, and it got better over time as we talk together and I'm explaining her different things and she understands more understanding her understanding more about the you know the life and, and the work and the parents working and what how we deal with issues too she has more like empathy more understanding I think so that helps but that's a long process but the lack of flexibility especially at the beginning uh, when when Kalina was younger, it was very tough to deal with because uh, I don't always have the super patience. Uh, my husband didn't either. And then you have to do something. You have to make a decision. And here this kid is just not going to, you can say whatever you want. It's just not going to, not going to uh, be flexible. So that was really tough. Yeah, I agree. I asked for a favorite <laughs> quote and I believe you sent in, I'm going to take this chance and do things I've never done. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us what that means to you? That means exactly what I've said in this conversation. Autism is kind of like this chance, something that happens to you, you experience this. It can be something you experience yourself or you as a parent, right? You, you just never know. Life is unpredictable. But you need to create uh, your own perspective on the things that happen in life. Take it to a different level. I try to do something that can help others. So because I am an educator, I'm trying to do something that works with my expertise. So writing, so because it connects to dog therapy, what I'm doing. So I connect these two spheres, right? Helping kids with autism and other disabilities by bringing my dog to the school and then writing about it and innovating in this area to create activities even better where dogs can be used even more creatively than right now. So results in terms of social emotional skills are even better and academics. And because anxiety, I think even every kid, many kids have so much anxiety now in school and younger ones too, but children with autism and other disabilities, anxiety can be even more harmful, I think. It can affect them even at a larger scale than regular kids, possibly. 
So, uh, and then the children's book. So taking this chance and thinking about it, all right, it happened. Yes, it's not like this super incredible thing that you're excited about, right? Nobody's excited when they hear autism diagnosis, but then you have to really think about it. What are you going to do with this? Mm-hmm. And if you can connect it to your job you're doing, or you can help another parent, not everybody will write a book, right? And it's perfectly fine. But maybe let's help another parent who is not, who just doesn't know what to do. I hear stories like child with severe autism or maybe not severe. And I hear stories about schools denying uh, education and things like that. In some cases, parents don't know what to do, where to go, what rights they have. I think they need some help. So everybody, I think, has an expertise or legal or anything else. And that expertise can be used to help those parents and children who need that help. And it's just just don't know what to do. It's just a matter of connecting people. Part of my creativity is expressed through my entrepreneurial efforts. Um, right. And so that's exciting to me because it's a wide open landscape and there's so much need. To me, I'm grateful to be on the side of being excited about creating versus years ago when I was just bummed about the situation. Yes. Um, so I, I like that you bring that up. And also in your dog expertise arena, if you find all of these places that create mm-hmm. dogs for kids, they have two-year waiting lists. And I actually raised $15,000 for my son, and we got a scam. We got scammed by oh my coming with a dog, and they gave us this... And so it's challenging to get in position because my son would thrive with a dog. So, so. sorry to hear. It's like these days everybody gets scammed, if not once, multiple times. Yes. It's just, uh, it, it's terrible. So, yeah, I mean, we have to be so careful, but it's so hard to be careful because it's like, it's hard to live without trusting people completely, right? That's really tough to do. But then you have to be careful. But yeah, whatever. We noticed that dogs can make such a huge difference in schools for everyone, including children with disability. They change just, they can even make kids work better together as a team, help each other. We've noticed it in the classroom with the teachers I collaborated with. So there is so much more that we could do. And in some cases, those therapy dogs might even be available in the area, but people, schools, for some reason, maybe objecting to the idea of you don't know the results too, that you don't know, then you just, whatever you don't know, you kind of stay away from. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever we can do to kind of like spread awareness about it is what I'm doing to try to spread awareness about dog therapy as potentially being able to change really education for kids, for all children, because that's what this is about, right? We won't help everybody, but really those kids with disabilities, autistic, they can benefit so much because if everybody is better and learns from dogs, everybody will be also better and will understand better uh, kids who have needs, more needs. They can just learn so much from the dogs. So 
Do, do you have now your son, any of your children going to school right now? All of them are, all of them are in school. Right. And there is any therapy dogs or not right no. now? No. Um, if you find an organization who doesn't have a two-year waiting list, put my name on the list uh, for my son. I agree with what you're saying. And as with a lot of things that are working for special needs children, the supply is limited. The demand is huge. So if there's good therapy that exists, the supply is limited. The demand is, is huge. It is. So, and that's why it's so tough for, par for parents because you get those rights as a parent and there are IEP plans and there is this and there is that, the state laws. And then you don't have... There is no guarantee you're going to get everything the child needs. It's all about negotiation. Mm -hmm. And then often schools forget about this and that. Everything starts all over again. It's, it's just, a lot. It really is. It's, it's, it's like a circle that never ever ends. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah, it's, I'm it's, starting my own therapy company because I couldn't get the kids the hours. So I figured if I start my own, if at the least... I get my kids the therapy. I'll make sure that the staff that I do have, but you know, not everybody's interested in trying to figure that out. It took me a year to figure out with the insurance companies and all these things. So there's another a lot to it. A lot of to do. Another thing you can look into is having your own dog as a service dog, and then and then you can't um, get a dog. That's the problem. You you cannot get a dog. If there's two year waiting lists. For a, for a trained service dog? That's yes. What? Every organization, most organizations, they won't even take names anymore. It's um, beyond to your waiting list, and it's $20,000. Unless you train your own dog, because service dog does not have to be certified. But, of course, when you... It's a lot to do, though. Yeah, I mean, if you, you purchase the dog, and then, like, you want the dog to perform the task for your child, you have to still train the dog, and is this possible to train and some of these tests are difficult it depends just on the needs but uh we had students at college she had her own service dog she trained him himself herself i don't know exactly what task exactly he was doing it's possible but i don't know it's the waiting lists all that stuff we have so many needs i don't know we should have more i think we should have like more those training organizations that train service dogs, there's so much more need. Well, I think, you know, and I think that's why we're having this conversation. I think that that's what we're doing. That's why I'm starting this therapy company. That's why you're writing these books. If we yeah. keep talking about it, if we keep creating, yes. if we keep, you know, our eye on these kids and yes. all kids, then we do the best we can, right? And exactly. And, I, and that's why this is, I believe, positive. One of the things we do just to get more of your story and your answers and insights is we do like, it's called the lightning round where you give like one sentence, one word to short answers to questions. Are you up for trying it? Yeah, we could do this. So what's the best advice you have received? I'll just chill out. <laughs> I like that. Just relax Perfect. and be present and trust that you have an awesome kid. And that's kind of really cool when you think about it. <laughs> I love that. What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being? I really, for my individual well-being, I noticed that anything I do that helps me 
mentally and physically as related to like exercise, gym, walks with my dog, my daughter too, if she <laughs> is willing to go, that is really important. That keeps me balanced. Work and all these issues and right, dealing with school. So physical activity is important. Well, I appreciate you taking time, like I said, and I've kept you for a while, but just in closing for the listeners that are out there that I think there was a time period where if I watched this interview, I would think that we were too casual about the situation because if I think back, there was so much anxiety I had and anger and disappointment and frustration that like to watch this conversation, I might feel like there's no way that's going to be me. My life is chaos and my heart has been broken in a million pieces. What do you say to the people that are in that place? I think that it's perfectly fine to be in this place because I was in this place at the beginning. I just really had no idea what to do. But if you could get some expertise, that's going to be big help. And just kind of have some little circle of friends, even if it's just one friend, someone you can talk to these things about. That's for me was uh, always a big, big relief, I think, to be able to talk to someone about these issues. It is chaotic, I understand. And, and mine was like that. And at times it's too, because there's new challenges. Kids are growing up, there's new challenges. But get some help, get some expertise as far as the diagnosis and then what to do next. And then get to know some other parents who also have autistic children. It doesn't have to be a huge group because we are overwhelmed in life, right? We don't have the time to interact with everyone. But just a little circle of friends. I remember even I joined a Facebook group with autistic children. I became friends with one mom who has a child to a girl in the same age as mine. And it was really cool to share our like pains and compare the girls and what they do and what it looks like, autism and struggles schools and all that, that helped a lot. Really relating to someone who is going through something similar is very helpful. Staying isolated is the worst. And when you're overwhelmed because there is work and then there is kids to handle and then there is school, right? We all know it all comes like this. Still don't forget to find this one little thing that you're going to do just for yourself. It can be a little walk. It can be gym. If you live close to gym, sometimes it's not possible. But you have to find something that you will do just for you. And this little thing makes you happy. It's very important. I agree. So, Barbara, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us. I hope you'll keep us high on your list when your children's book is complete so that we can let you know know. (laughs) so we can announce it to the listeners and and check it out and i wish you and your family all the best and let's create a better world together exactly chad thank you so much so happy that we uh finally got a chance to meet and this is really cool and uh hopefully we get a chance to do something together in the future maybe collaborate 
do something uh, cool and uh, something that can help children on the spectrum. We have some work to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I see it happening. So yeah, uh, bye for now, but I'll see, uh, we'll talk soon. Of course. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. This concludes our show for today, and I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long. <laughs>